Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. Today's guest is Kim Thompson. Kim is an experiencer of three OBEs and Kundalini Awakenings, and now we're going to talk about it. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. So good to be with you, and thank you for having me. It's great to be with you today. All right, so let's start with your OBEs. Okay. Tell us what happened. All right. Uh, I had, I call it three OBEs because those were more experiential, but I had a brief time when I was a child where I left my body. I just didn't really leave that far. So I don't really call it an OBE. It may be. Uh, So I'll quickly tell you that one. Mm -hmm. When I was about eight years old, I had to have a procedure at the dentist, uh, a root canal, which I won't go into why at that age, but I did. So um, eight years old, my mom was in the waiting room and they gave me gas, um, gas mask. This procedure took about an hour and I was just a tiny little kid. So I was on this gas for uh, that length of time. And uh, I remember looking up and seeing just the dentist above me doing the procedure. And uh, very quickly at the beginning of it, I started to leave my body and float up and go to the ceiling. And uh, I stopped at the ceiling. So and then I would lose vision of the dentist. I couldn't see him anymore. And I was just up at the ceiling, like nose to ceiling like this. And uh, I could see all the things in the top of the ceiling, you know, the texture and stuff like that. And it didn't scare me or terrify me. It felt really normal. And it it just didn't even phase me, to be honest, my consciously, it was just like, Oh, cool. Huh? (laughs) Maybe it's because I was only seven or eight. I think I'd had a lot of uh, experiences before that anyway, but this was the first time actually leaving. And then I would think, well, I don't see the dentist anymore. Where is he? And then all of a sudden I'd float back down and I would see him. And I'd be back in my body. So during the procedure, I floated in and out up to the ceiling and back. And that was that. And then they took the gas off and I left. And my mom looked at me like, oh, my goodness, because <laughs> um, I was pretty spacey and out of it and could barely walk after that. Uh, I thought nothing of that experience as a child. It seemed completely normal to me. So it wasn't like, mom, I left my body and floated. No, no big deal. <laughs> um, so that happened around eight, seven, eight years old. Uh, my first out of body was negative. It was in college. I was 18 years old. My first year of college, pretty much right at the beginning of the freshman year. And I was in my dorm room. We had a little small party going on. They're not like a big party, just a small, very casual, just a few beers. These kids showed up from my high school. One of them pulled out a joint. We smoked a joint, had a few beers, and then they left. It was very chill. Um, and 
everybody else was fine. And we all had the same amount. It wasn't anything crazy. However, I left my body that day, that night. Uh, one of my friends was still in the dorm room and I was sitting in a chair and he said that uh, I just sort of spaced out and was just looking into space. And he was very confused because nobody was drinking that much or had that much of anything. You know, um, it was just small. So he was really confused. He was kind of shaking me like, Kim, 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 are you okay? And he said, I just stared out into space for a while and didn't respond. And then I just fell asleep. And he actually carried me to the bed and I slept the night and woke up. What happened to me when I was spaced out is I completely just left my body, entered this room, not really a room. It was a white space, um, almost kind of foggy-ish, no walls. Uh, and in front of me was a giant, enormous, terrifying being. It was not human and it was just the face. It was horrifying. Um, and it, I was instantly in a state of shock and terror and froze. In fact, not just my body froze, but my mind. So I couldn't think at all. And it was just pure terror looking at this thing, this thing looking at me. And it was giant. It was like the size of a house or a truck or just, just big and just this head. Um, and then just like white fog around it. And um, it had the shape of a head that was sort of like a kind of like a dragon, but I consider dragons, even though they're mythological, to be pe- really pretty and even cute, you know, beings. Uh, at least they've been portrayed that way. And uh, this was not cute at all. It just sort of had that shape, but its face was absolute fear. Um, and I was in absolute shock and fear. And it, nowhere in my conscious mind was I going like, what the F, what just happened? How did that happen? None of those thoughts. I, it, there were no thoughts. I was just in pure terror and fear with this thing staring at me. No words spoke to me. I didn't hear anything. I just felt terror. Then when, as soon as my, like maybe shock kind of, I don't know if it was shock or it was just like something said, you better do something or you're dead. In my mind, the the fear, uh, the flight, fight or flight kicked in is what I'm trying to say, I think. And I instantly thought of God and prayer. So I had never been a, a super religious person, but I had been spiritual um, and prayed and stuff like that. So suddenly I remembered God and said, oh, God, help, God, help me. And the minute I did that, I was back in my body, but I wasn't conscious in my body. That must be when I came back and my eyes closed and I passed out and fell asleep or whatever. And, you know, he assumed I just maybe had more beers or whatever, although nobody did that night. So I woke up that morning and I jumped out of bed and was like, what the bleep? I don't know what that was. I had all complete memory of it and fear and just all and anxiety. And then my first thought was, well, somebody put something in my drink or something was in that. So I spent the next two weeks questioning everybody that was there, if there was a joke played on anything. And there was nothing like that. Nothing. As a matter of fact, the kid that brought the joint, I, he wasn't, he didn't go to that college. He was from back home. Um, and I went up, went to his best friend who did go to that college and questioned him. And I said, you know, was there something in that? But nobody else had any experience but me. Uh, so, or did somebody put something in my beer or anything? And, and he said, Kim, no, 
absolutely not. And by the way, didn't you hear that um, his name was John? Um, didn't you hear that John died? And I said, no. But anyway, John had gone home from that week and just about a week after that was hit by a car and died instantly. Um, so I don't know if that experience was some kind of warning about that. It didn't seem really related, but I don't know. So I don't know what this was or why I had it. And let me just preface, I don't know why I had any of my experiences. Um, and they were all, I want to say random, but I don't believe in random. But it, they were not, uh, uh, I, I didn't ask for that. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. I don't know why. So that's a big part of why I want to talk about this stuff now is because a lot of my experience, I have my own questions about, uh, so I'll just, I'm being completely honest. I don't, there's a lot I don't know about all of my experiences and I've spent the last 30 years trying to find out. <laughs> Do you think that that being was a demon? It could be. It certainly could be. My intuition, when I ask my intuition, what was that? I hear that was the face of fear. That was the face of fear was the answer that I got. So I don't know. Uh, it could be, it could even just be, this was not an imagination. This was not a hallucination. Um, it was very real. Uh, so it, it happened. I faced something. I don't think this was manifested in my brain. <sighs> However, I do think some of these experiences that we have in NDEs and stuff like that are very uh, individual. So that's a whole different topic. Like, where does that come from? Do we manifest that experience or is it something God gives us? So that's a whole other question that, that goes deep. But as far as the experience itself, me going through it, it was very real. And I don't know what it was. It could have been a demon. It could have been, I don't want to say the devil or, you know, uh, I was spiritual, but I didn't really believe in the devil or hell. Maybe something was trying to say, mm -hmm, there are lower places. But when I fast forward, I'll tell you some things that my first enlightened teacher explained about dimensions that mm. may tie into that. You said it didn't talk to you. Do you feel like it was trying to communicate with you? At the time, it may have, but I was so afraid. But no, that, I don't, there were no words. No, There was nothing consciously from this thing or subconsciously or telepathic at all other than the feeling of fear. Mm. And, and, uh, like my fear was so strong. It was as if, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a life and death situation where you really thought you were going to die any minute. Uh, that's how I felt like that. I'm going to be dead in a minute. This thing is going to eat me, kill me, whatever, snatch me and take me somewhere. I don't know, right. but it was that type of fear. Like my life was in danger. Uh, so and that's all I could focus on was that fear. There was so no, I don't think it was communicating anything other than its its uh, hatred mm -hmm. or its its desire to instill fear. That was the only communication that I received. Do you think it's possible after drinking and smoking that you lowered your vibration or your frequency and you went into a lower dimension? Absolutely, I think that's very possible, and I did not know that at the time. And I felt, and, and I thought maybe it was some sort of warning as well. But later on, when I learned more about different dimensions and things from my first teacher, Rama, which we'll talk about later a little bit, uh, that's exactly what he said when went went on and could happen. 
Mm. Yeah. It's strange though, that it happened to me and it wasn't, uh, it was only just a, a little bit and other kids that had the same amount didn't have any experience. So I think it's not only the fact that I somehow went into a lower dimension. I do feel that I was supposed to have that experience for some reason. I don't, I think I was supposed to understand that we do have higher and lower dimensions, not necessarily one heaven or one hell, but many different dimensions of higher and lower vibration. And yeah, I think that we, uh, we can choose how to go there or how to get there, or we can have unconscious experiences like that one where we just go without wanting to, (laughs) I think you're right. So after the experience, did that cause you to stop drinking and smoking? No. (laughs) At 18, no. (laughs) But it did sort of give me caution. And also I grew up with an alcoholic father who, you know, severe alcoholism and dysfunctional family, not really abuse or anything, but um, a lot of dysfunction and instability and even maybe some neglect and, and that kind of stuff. Um but I love my dad dearly. My dad actually is the one that really kind of steered me on a spiritual path from, and he was a very spiritual and, and unbelievable man. He was a Vietnam vet and he came back with PTSD when I was about seven and he just used alcohol to self-medicate is basically what it was, but he was a functional alcoholic for many years until he wasn't. But um, that's another story, but he, that could have been part of that a warning, you know, don't go down that path and that sort of thing. But I I was a kid. I I wanted to have fun. I had a very dualistic type of personality then. And maybe even now where I I really did want to experience life and have fun and try new things and have fun, even whether it was that, or even just going skiing and stuff, you know, I wanted to experience all of it, but I was careful. I tried to be more careful. (laughs) Um, especially as I matured deaf, I was, but I'm not going to say, you know, my first few years of college that I uh, really listened and, and stopped No, but I didn't get into crazy alcoholism or drugs and, you know, knock on wood, thank God. (laughs) No, but it it is in my family. So it could have gone that way. And, And part of that is biological, but we all have our own choices as well. A lot of it is our own consciousness. So I learned later. Uh, but two years after that is when I had a beautiful, happy, good one, uh, OBE. So I don't know if you want to keep, you know, I have questions about this and then we'll get to that one. Or Let's get into that yeah. one. Okay, great. So the next one was a couple of years later and I was uh, not drinking or smoking. I was completely sound mind and sober and it was the middle of the day and I was wide awake. So I was in my boyfriend at the time's uh, home. We were studying. He was sitting up at his desk doing his work. And I had the bed and I had my books and everything all around me. And I was sitting up. And, you know, when you're studying with someone, sometimes you're studying, but you stop and have a little tiny conversation and go back to your book, that kind of, you know, what? so that we were doing that. So I was in the middle of a conversation with him. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but whatever, but I remember my response Whatever he said, I, I laughed and I was like, ha, ha, ha. If that happened to me, I would kill myself. Stupid joke. Boom. That second, I was out of my body. And oh, uh, I left my body. And I, it, I went from sitting there calm and collected in the middle of a Saturday afternoon 
to falling to my death in darkness. And I knew I was falling. I had that feeling of falling and I knew I was going to die and I knew it was going to hurt. I was going to crash and burn or something. I don't know where I was. I didn't have a visual other than darkness. I did have sort of a feeling or a sense like somebody was next to me, but I don't know who that was or if it was a physical person or a being or a guide. I don't know. But consciously, I really wasn't concerned about it. I just felt it there and continued to fall and know I was falling to my death. Now, I was begging God. I was praying and begging God. Now, let me just go back one second. It was me falling and dying, but it wasn't Kim. It sounds really weird, but it wasn't... uh, there was no conscious thought of me, Kim, the, the kid sitting on the bed studying for, in college. It, it was, just, but it was me. Okay. So then we'll get to that later because it's strange. Uh, so I felt like me falling. I know I'm dying and I'm begging God, please don't let me feel this. I don't want to crash and burn. Just take me, please. God, just take me before the end. I don't want to feel it. That's all. I was, you know, kind of being wimpy, to be honest. You know, I was afraid of the pain and it's so weird. It's like, I wasn't really afraid of death because I, I knew for some reason I knew God I was going to go to God but um, I just didn't want to feel that pain before getting there so I'm begging begging as I'm falling and I'm kind of terrified I'm about to cra- feel the crash and burn and I'm begging please take me please take me please take me it seemed to go on a while which is strange how do you fall that long but it, it did and then just as quickly as I almost like a blink of an eye from that space to the dark falling, I then blinked to um, another one. And this was the beauty. This was, I just, what was in pure golden light. It's all I could see. And suddenly I didn't just have these little, you know, vision through these little eyes. Uh, I, I could see all around up down side. So I didn't need to, I didn't seem to have a head that needed to turn to see. I could just see all around up and down and it was just pure golden light. And I don't know that I was like a being floating in this light. It feels more like I was part of this light and it was absolute bliss and pure love and joy. And I, I, there's no, no uh, human way to describe this. We don't, not only do we not have the words to describe it, but we don't have the state of consciousness to describe it. I do believe some masters have reached it with enlightenment, but even that, um, this is because you're in a physical body, you're always going to feel dualism. I was out of my body. There was no dualism. So there was, there was only love. There was, so if you can imagine, which is hard to say, how do you imagine an existence or a state of being where there's an absolute lack of fear or anxiety or worries or thoughts or anything heavy whatsoever. Even your most precious, beautiful moment on this earth has duality to it. And it is very uh, transient. It doesn't last. Um, and so, and so it's very hard for us to be present in beautiful moments because we know it's going to go away any minute now, you know, no matter what it is. And, and so we hang on to it as much as we can, but so even the best moments have that duality of their anxiety or that underlying something that's not all pure love. Well, this space did not have any of that. So it's kind of like saying, Hmm, Jeff, 
I, uh, take your heart out of your body right now and see how you feel like you can't do it. <laughs> and that's this space is just pure love and, and, and with the lack of anything negative. So if you could just imagine how that would be, which is hard to imagine, I think it's impossible to imagine, unfortunately. Now, that being said, I think we have ways to get to those states of being we can get to later. That's the Kundalini and stuff like that to at least get to the most of it. But being in this state at the moment was just pure bliss, love, everything. Wonderful. And the lack of anything negative. So um, it was, this is much more of a feeling based experience. I didn't have anything more visual than the golden light and, and it didn't last long. It wasn't long enough. And it was just pure, pure bliss. There were no conscious thoughts here even good ones, but there were no conscious thoughts at all of Kim, the life, the person sitting on that bed or the person that was falling to her, his or her death. And I'm, I say that because I still don't know if this OBE was actually a memory of a past life death. That's what I think it may be, but I don't know for sure. It could also be a vision of a future death, right? I don't know. Uh, and then we could get into the discussion of time and does time really exist or is it in a, you know circular and everything exists at once here and there and everywhere. And maybe I got to pop into something. I don't know, but um, I know as a kid, I had memories of past lives. So that's a whole other topic, but uh, I don't know for sure. So I don't know what this OB, what OBE was, but I was in this light and I had no conscious thoughts of Kim or this being in both cases, when, when I was falling and when I was in the light, I was myself. As I said, I, I was me, but me is who I am as a soul. And me, who, who Kim is, is different. There are some similarities, but there's some things that I have to say just will fall away when we die other than the body, you know? The, the, that person on the bed and those books and that whole life just really, it, it sounds callous to say it didn't matter, but it just wasn't a part of the experience. And then just as quickly as I bounced or blinked into that environment of bliss and pure light and love, I blinked back to this body, Kim, on the bed. And I'm sitting there and I, I don't know how much time had passed because he went back to his studying at the desk and he had no no awareness that I was going through this. And the minute I popped back into my body, I jumped up out of bed and I was like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? It felt so weird to be there. It felt this environment here felt wrong. It felt weird. It felt, and he, my boyfriend at the time looks up, he's like, what do you mean? Where are you supposed to be? It was Saturday afternoon. I was there for the weekend and we were studying. There was no, nowhere else we were supposed to be. Where are you supposed to be? I said, I just died. I'm dead. Why am I here? And he, of course, <laughs> looked at me like, Kim, I think you fell asleep. You know, no, I did not. And uh, that was that as far as, you know, discussing it. Um, there, I didn't fall asleep. I didn't have a hallucination. It was very real. And, you know, this was in the in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. So it's a long time ago. And it, I, when I talk about it and think about it, it is, it's as if it just happened. 
So there is no kind of hallucination or dream that I know of that lasts like that and has such a powerful influence on your life and, and makes you feel like you don't belong in your body anymore when you do wake up. <laughs> Cause I felt very strange, like, wow, like this, this reality here really isn't as real as I thought it was. Now I had always had beliefs that this isn't all there is. I was a very spiritual kid, even at a very young age from, you know, age four or five, I had huge questions and I had memories, like I said, of past lives and things like that. And I prayed and stuff like that. You know, I feel like I had like a, a, a relationship with God, but not with religion, you know, but that's a whole other story, not to put, not to put down religion. We did, you know, go to church now and then and stuff like that. And religion has its all thing. This is another topic. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm skipping all over the place. Uh, but it, it just, I felt very weird being in my body. And it took me weeks of just thinking about this experience. But then I just went back into my life and, you know, uh, kind of had a normal life. I don't know if you, some people may call that a spiritually transformative experience. If it was, it didn't really spiritually transform me immediately. Although about two years after that is when I met my first spiritual teacher, Rama, who was an enlightened teacher. And that's when I started having Kundalini awakenings. During that time, I learned to meditate. We talked about Buddhism. We learned a lot about other dimensions and things like that. And that's where I sort of thought that the the bad experience may have been a lower dimension, you know, and then this was a higher dimension, but this was a, a level far above that one. It was more real. If, if that makes sense. Uh, it was more beautiful than that was terrifying. And it seemed much more real. And that almost when I looked back at the negative one seemed like, not fake because it was very, very real, but, um, you know, not, not something, not, not going to be a part of my reality, but the light was, it's almost like, okay, this is me, <laughs> you know, this is me. This is where I'm at. I'm staying here, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't go consciously seeking that light, uh, even two years later, cause I was still young and just trying to live. And now I'm out of college and I'm trying to just, you know, get a career and get a life and all that kind of stuff and also have fun and I'm maturing. Uh, but that's when I met Rama and had that. That's a whole other topic there. But if I don't know if you have questions about this one, because the next out of body that was powerful as well was just a few months ago in March. Well, who am I to determine, you know, what you experienced? But from me looking at it from the outside, it appears to me that when you said those words, you re-experienced a past life. I just got chills. <laughs> so this is, um, I, I, well, part of the reason I wanted to start sharing publicly, because I've been watching your show for, mm-hmm. I don't know, since you started. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, oh, my experience wasn't, so it wasn't an NDE. I didn't die. So what is this? And now I guess, oh, it's an OBE, but it certainly did feel like a death. So it must be, but of course I've been questioning this for 30 years and it's kind of turned me into a perpetual student, not only to answer the question of that, but really mostly to, to learn how to stay on the path and bring that into my life. Now I want to feel good. Like, don't we all want to just 
feel good and be present and, and, and have good blissful experiences in our life. So uh, I think I've been kind of on a personal mission to try to do that. Now that doesn't mean I've always succeeded in this life because we're in this duality and life pulls you off your path. Things happen. You forget it's, there's so much that can happen, but you know, I'm trying to give an example, like what I've experienced, nothing like what you have, obviously, but it's kind of to put it in simpler terms at somewhere. And I hear, let's say Indian music. Oh, now I want some chai tea. Sometimes you hear something will connect you to a memory. Oh, yes. Somehow you said those words, just connected you when to I a said, memory. And then you just all of a sudden, and maybe right. you'd already left your body once before as a child. So you've already... Yes. had a, what people may say is a opening in the veil or whatever, that you, it was easier for you to get to that experience. Correct. That may be exactly why that comment, because it's funny that I don't remember what he said, but I remember my response being, if that happened to me, I would kill myself. Ha ha ha. And then that ha- experience happened immediately. It was instant. So there weren't even, there wasn't even 60 seconds in between. It was that instance. There can't be a coincidence in that, you know? And, but but I don't feel like I killed myself though. Just to just not that that matters, but in that experience, I don't feel I did because I didn't want to be falling to my death like that. And I didn't want to have that experience and I was afraid. So I really don't think it was that, Mm -hmm. but maybe that doesn't really matter. The, The manner of death, you know? It would be cool to have if you got a past life regression and see if that's yes, what, <laughs> if that you know you did do that. I know <laughs> jumped off a cliff in the middle of the night, or who knows, you know. Right, I mean? <laughs> right? Uh, I actually did have a psychic reading, and I asked the woman about it, and she said she saw like a 14th century life where I was thrown off of a mountain. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe in Tibet or China or something. They actually did that to the Tibetan monks and things, I believe. They went in, uh, when I say they, I think it was the government or whoever was opposed to the this uh, fraction. And they went into the mountains and pulled out the monks and literally threw them off the mountain and mm-hmm. killed them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's she said that I, I don't know i haven't had a regression and i would love to know mm-hmm. i don't really think it's that important but it would be certainly interesting mm-hmm. to know yeah uh, i think the importance is understanding that it, it, it does exist this light that that is the existence um although i do believe there's different layers of like i don't know heaven or different higher dimensions and different layers so because i've heard so many NDEs and I believe all of them and people get to see things. People have met Jesus, God, they see these gardens and things. And I'm kind of jealous actually, because I didn't see all of that stuff. Although I can't be jealous because my experience was so blissful and perfect. It's almost as if, I don't know, there really weren't visuals needed, but I'm an artist and I'm a very visual person. And I kind of want to see those colors that don't exist here and that kind of stuff, you know, it'd be nice Mm -hmm. to see Jesus, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, but I believe that some people do for whatever reason, they see their guides and angels and stuff. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's fascinating to hear everybody's experience. And Mm -hmm. um, I just want to also send kudos to all your guests getting up here and telling their stories. They're fantastic. Every one of them. It's like, I, I don't know what to say. Every show, it's like, this one's great. And then that one, you know, they're all great. And, mm-hmm. and, and hi. <laughs> Lots of love to all of them. They're wonderful. And your viewers, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that uh, 
I, I do think maybe that's what that was, you know, a pop into a past life death. All right. Well, let's move on to your next one. Okay. So fast forward to just a few months ago, and I'll just give you a quick little tidbit of history before I had moved uh, from New York to North Carolina, where I am now. And I, it was just me and my dog, um, an empty nester. So my kids are grown and they're doing their thing in New York and it just is too cold up there. So I left. That was just before COVID. I didn't know, obviously, pandemic was going to hit and I was going to be separated from them without being able to visit and that sort of thing. And so it was just Zoom calls for a year. And um, like many of us, and it was me and my precious dog uh, living here and just trying to, you know, enjoy life and, and, and exist and stay healthy. And he just died suddenly a um, few days after Christmas. And so I was deeply depressed with that. I'm sorry. I don't want to get emotional, (laughs) but um, that happened and it was just devastating because it was so sudden and he he was only eight. Um, And um, so I was in a a state of depression and fear and COVID and financial worry, all that stuff. And then um, fast forward, I was trying to deeply to get out of it. All of my tools, meditation, my family, my kids, all that. And I knew I would, you know, and I was starting to about three months after, um, got a new job and things were looking up, but I missed him terribly. So anyway, that was my life. I came home from work and went to bed like any normal night. So this one happened in sleep, which is odd. (laughs) So, um, but it was not a dream. So soundly sleeping, uh, and oh, by the way, let me just pack back up and say the night my dog died, I had a very metaphysical experience that night. Uh, so I don't know if we'll have time this talk to talk about it, but I had a metaphysical metaphysical experience that night uh, with his death. So three months later, this I woke up from, I was in a deep sleep, not dreaming, and I woke up and I was not in my body. Uh, I was out of my body. And now I, I was in darkness, but it wasn't a scary darkness. It was beautiful, almost like, I don't know, stars or something like behind you, but not so many twinkling stars. I was closer to, I thought I was in falling back into water. This experience sounds like it should be terrifying, but it was not. I woke up and I felt blissful, but it was dark, not golden. I felt just light and blissful. And I just sudden, I just, I don't know how to describe this. I just like went backwards and felt like I was falling backwards into water, what felt like the ocean, but I didn't physically feel that, that horrible feeling of falling. And it was really slow and peaceful and it almost seemed deliberate. Like I deliberately did that, you know? Um, And (laughs) no conscious thoughts. It just was this blissful feeling. I float backwards seems like it's the ocean and it seems like water, but I don't feel like an impact of water. If you actually fall backwards into water and you feel, you know, it splashed, I didn't feel that. And I didn't feel cold water or anything. I just kind of went down. It seemed as if I'm in the ocean and now I'm being pulled down. So at first it's real slow and peaceful, but then speed picked up and I'm very quickly being yanked down Again, not terrifying whatsoever, blissful, and I never lost sight of the top of the water, and there was a light there. This light was blue, 
and turquoise and like white. And it was, seems like, you know, like if you're underwater looking up with your eyes open at the top of the water and you can see the top of the water. And then like, if you're out in the pool and you see the sun above the water, you know, that it was kind of like filtered through the water, this blue light. And it was there. And it was as if, as I'm being pulled very quickly, like a speed that I cannot even describe to you, but it, it, I didn't feel, I felt physically like I'm falling and being pulled, not falling. Cause you don't fall in water, but I'm being pulled, but it wasn't uncomfortable. So none of this makes physical sense. So I'm being pulled through water very quickly. It's not uncomfortable. It's just blissful. And I can't take my vision off of this light. So it's like, I can't look and see around me. I had no, no thought to do so anyway. And I'm not in control of this situation. And I don't care. I, I'm not in fear. There is no fear. Again, it was almost like back to that bliss and love and no thought whatsoever. But I am seeing this light. I'm looking at it and I am, I see like the water and the light and I'm being pulled. And then it feels like this light is like following me, but it's still there at the top of the water. It's so weird. So it's going on and on. I'm just going, but I never lose sight of the top of the water or that light. And this blissful, beautiful feeling. And then in no thoughts, but then suddenly conscious thought did sort of creep in. And I thought, and I'm a good swimmer. I was a lifeguard, always a good swimmer, never afraid of the water. But I'm getting pulled down pretty far now. And I'm thinking, huh, I'm really, really far down there. I don't think I'm going to make it to the top. I probably won't make it, you know, (laughs) because I'm thinking I'm going to have to swim back up to breathe. But that's a weird thought to have had because I wasn't struggling for air or holding my breath. But I didn't notice that at the time. This is These are thoughts I had later. Um, so I wasn't didn't seem to have the need to breathe or struggle or anything. But when conscious thought did come in, that's what it was about. It was about breath and, oh, hmm, I won't make it to the top of the water to breathe. And then I thought, oh, I guess this is it. For This is my death. I'm dying. And I was still looking at the light the whole time. I'm like, oh, hi, Father. And I, re- I realized, oh, there's the light. That, and I just said, hi, Father. And the minute I said that, and I was, boom, I woke up in my body in bed and sat up and just blown away. That was not a dream. It was very real. I can't even describe to you how real it was. And I just have, I have constant chills the whole time I tell it. Uh, And it was just beautiful and peaceful and just loving. I don't know if it had to do with my dog's death or feeling depressed, having a hard time stepping out of that dark hole. Uh, Or, you know, it was just a reminder. I don't know. But it, I know that it was real. Do you think it's possible you are re-experiencing another death? That's a good question. I didn't think of it that way. I had a guest on a long time ago, and he is um, a hypnotherapist that regresses people for their past lives. And I asked him about why do people fear drowning and or have fear of the water? And he said, oh, I guess through his experience... It was pretty common back in the, you know, 1800s, 1700s, whatever, that people just, I guess, fell off shifts and drowned. 
Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> that's why I was th- when you, as you were going through that story, that, that's just what came to my mind. I don't know what you know. You have to decide for you what Wait. you experienced, but when you said that, that's just what popped in my mind. Yeah, and that makes total sense. The only thing I would say that doesn't really fly with that though is that not from the very beginning of it when I'm falling back, it didn't feel like the human experience. Um, it felt more like. I was already in this light or something. I like, it felt like I was already out of my body. I, that didn't feel physical and I didn't feel the water and I didn't feel the fear. <clears throat> so maybe I was already dead in that. I, I, and I question whether it really even was water and maybe it just looked like that or felt like it. It, 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 it uh, the physics didn't match up either mm-hmm. because if you fall down in water, even if you sink, you do it pretty slowly. This was speed that I could not explain to you. And there's no physical way that you could be pulled down like that unless something, I don't know, maybe had you and yanked you or something. And even then it didn't seem like that type of thing. It was very loving and beautiful, not at all terrifying. Mm -hmm. The entire experience was loving and beautiful. And I'm not afraid of water, never have been. However, if I'm being yanked down into it, in this body, I'm going to be terrified. You know, if, if this body just in the middle of the night in the ocean dropped down and is yanked down, it's not, I'm not going to feel bliss. My physical body is going to react and, 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 you know, be terrified until it leaves the body. Cause that physical body has, uh, uh, obviously ways to stay alive and, and, Fear, fear is actually a gift it would, to keep you alive, um, you know. But this experience, there was no fear. So I feel like from the very beginning of the falling back, I was already out of body. Right. But I don't know. Like still that experience could be another death. I think I do. I would like to get hypnotized. So yeah. I may have to <laughs> contact We need to get her. you hypnotized and then bring you back and see what you learned. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, you make some good points. I don't really know, and I don't think it's my place to really tell people what their experience is because only they will know. True, I just... but I don't. I don't feel you're doing that at all. In mm-hmm. fact, I'm open to suggestions, mm-hmm. and and that's why I say I have a lot of questions, and I I'd love to hear anybody's ideas or their intuition or suggestions of what they think it it is or was. But obviously. Only I can know, and, and I have probably have to get hypnotized to find out exactly what those answers are. Yeah. Um, so after yeah. this experience, did this change you in any way? Mm, uh, that's a good question because I've always been changed, <laughs> and I've always been, uh, I don't know, spiritual and had metaphysical experiences and, and, and intuitions and you know, I'm not one of these people that you have guests that say, oh, yes, I've become this medium and I have, you know, I do readings and stuff like that. It's not quite like that. But I do have, I often have prophetic dreams. I have uh, highly intuitive feelings and, and knowings and uh, a lot of empathy and empathic experiences and feeling people's energy and stuff like that. Uh, but uh I'm not one of these people that has gone to write books about it and everything. I've been more of a perpetual student and I've read dozens and dozens and maybe even a few hundred books on the topic of consciousness and uh, all sorts of spiritual modalities, you know, for the past 30 years. Now it drew me to my teacher Rama, 
which was two years after that blissful experience, which taught me how to meditate and, and, and tap into the Kundalini energy that we all have. And by the way, I think we all have the potential. We all have psychic abilities. We all have it within us, every single human. And so it's not like anybody is, you know, uh, special or anything. We all have it. So it's just, hmm, what, what, what's going to happen for you to make you tap into that if you want to, cause it's a choice. Um, so I think I, for me, I've always had these huge questions, even so, ever since I was a kid and I've been seeking the answers. And then suddenly I'll just have these experiences kind of drop on me like that. Maybe there are little gifts to give me some answers, more answers. I don't know. I feel like I've been perpetually a student on a path and the books I've read and the teachers I've met um, along the way have been a huge help. Uh, Rama in particular was an enlightened being and he had uh, what they call Shaktipat to give his students. So when I was a student of his for around three, three and a half years before he passed away, uh, I learned a great deal and that's when I had a lot of kundalini awakenings. Because I think the important thing in all of this is how do we pull these experiences, whatever they may be, whether you've died and had an NDE or you've left your body or you've never had an experience, but you're open to it like you, Jeff, or you're meditating and trying to have it. Um, the, however you have it, um, the important thing is to be open to it and allow it so that it can change your life for the better. I'm not trying to be some teacher or psychic or medium. I just want to, like I said, I just want to have a better life and pull more of that good energy into it and less because we are in such a dualistic, heavy, dense world. Um, uh, so I think the most important thing is how do we raise our consciousness? How do we pull that into our lives and live it in our daily lives? You know, and, and be, we can't all go become monks and live in a cave and just meditate we have to go to work and live and how do we live in this world and pull that light into that into this life so that's really what i think is the most important thing yeah it'd be fun to get hypnotized and understand where it comes from and why i think my i what i feel compelled to say is that the most important thing is that it exists and, and how do we use it how do we bring it how can I use it in my life and feel better and get through the hard times? Like when your dog dies suddenly and everything, you know, there's a pandemic and the world is just crazy and all of it's falling apart around of us. Like many of us are experiencing right now. How, how can we better deal with that situation? I think that's the most pertinent thing about it. And maybe that's why it happened and happened when it did for me. I think many NDEers say the same. They feel like it happened at a very important time for them, like at a crucial moment in time to change something. You know, I I was feeling so deeply depressed when that all happened and hopeless almost. And I've never felt hopeless. And, uh, you know, even after the blissful experience 30 years ago, I've had a, a good life, had a, had two wonderful kids. They're growing, they're out, you know, but I had some very hard times during that time as well went through a tough divorce raised kids on my own that kind of stuff financial things you know all of us have our stuff we can't really escape that until we die unfortunately 
So I think the whole purpose is how do we best get through it in a high, in the highest way? How do we get ourselves vibrating higher? How do we get that bliss and light into our lives and in our everyday moment, just driving to the grocery store or going through the grief of the loss of someone that you love, you know, how do that's the important stuff. How do we pop out of depression, which is valid. Your depression can be very valid because of life circumstances and situations. Uh, But are we supposed to just take pills and accept it? Maybe go talk to a therapist. That's, that's fine too, but I don't want to do only that. I want to, do everything I can to feel good now. And, and then when I start to feel evidence that that's possible, I want to share it if I can, you know, how to do that. And so I have a few ideas of how my teacher Rama taught me how to meditate. He taught us a very specific technique of meditation and we used his own music, which I can send you a link to, by the way, after this for people to use, he's, they've, He's passed away now uh, in the 90s, but I think it was 95 or 96. But uh, there's a whole movement and, and um, you know, he's got there's a website from his his students that put together all of, you know, a lot of his teachings and books. And he produced uh, much music. His, the band was called Zazen and the music is meditation music which he infused with the energy of enlightenment and it's very high vibrational music. So it in with that music and his technique that he taught us together, um, I was able to reach high, very high states of consciousness during meditation very quickly, like within the first few months of practice of meditating. Uh, and that is where I've had, I was able to really pull in this, golden energy and light and kundalini um into my life and and i still do that now so i i think that's just a very important thing to do uh you know that's uh however one may pull this light into their life i think that's if i have anything to say that's the most important part there you know how do we do it everybody has their own way their own different way their own meditation but rama taught us this uh tantric path i was very attracted to the fast path and mm-hmm. i think that's why i liked him a lot you know he was like this is the fast path to a fast path to enlightenment um and so i was all about that <laughs> you know uh, even then though it was a more of an immature kind of uh beginning to my path you know it was still kind of selfish and me 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 and i want to feel good and how do i get power and you know you know, it was as I've grown and matured and practiced meditation, it's become much more spiritual and much more, uh, uh, there's become more of an understanding of how we're all connected to that consciousness. And, and it's, I'm nothing special. Nobody is. Even Rama, who was enlightened here in this body, you know. Um, so we all have those capabilities and abilities, every single one of us. Even if we don't have an OBE or an NDE, it doesn't matter. I need to switch gears on you because I'm running out of time, but I noticed the paintings behind you. Yeah. (laughs) You're a painter. Do you paint anything spiritual or NDE like, or anything like that or paranormal? Not really. I just paint not well, maybe, but it's not like I have a, how do I say this? Well, my golden light experience, I'm going to paint that. 
but my visual is just, I struggle with how do I put that on paint? Because again, it's almost like, how do you compare this beautiful reality, this beautiful consciousness of what we really are to a canvas with paint? It almost seems grotesque in the physical. Mm. I just can't do it justice. But, you know, I can paint a pretty picture and bring in the colors and the light. I, I My goal, I guess, is to, yes, to bring happiness and joy and that feeling from my work of happiness. Uh, but it, to actually paint physically what it looked like, I haven't done that because I feel like it's going to cheapen it or something. Like, it's just I'm not going to be able to do it but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it (laughs) so my art is really mostly I've been a commission artist so it's a lot of what people have asked me to paint but when I paint something like this which is on my own um, it's always colorful bright it's something that I I feel brings happiness and so my goal is to try to I guess bring happiness and joy through it and but it's not necessarily the painting itself but the practice of the painting and bringing that feeling that's important to me. And now I'm just starting my own channel. I I literally don't even have the first video on it, but I'm going to be doing tutorials for, for people to paint and in classes for children, from children up to adults. Um, And the goal is just to, you know, teach how to paint some, even just beginning tutorials. Um, And the, the goal is to feel good and bring that good feeling and happiness while you're painting, not be quite so focused on the end product and certainly not perfection. So it's more about, uh, you know, the journey, which is kind of funny because I think that's kind of life, you know, Uh, it's not about just dying and getting to heaven. Like we really need to enjoy the journey there in this moment, even in this dualistic life, this body, because it really is very short. But in the meantime, while we're here, we can bring as much joy, peace, love, light as possible. And I think painting is a really nice way to do that. You know, it's kind of meditative. So the process of doing it, yeah, (laughs) more so than the product. However, that being said, I was thinking about painting the golden light and the blue. It's just that I like lots of colors, as you can see. And both of those experiences were only one color in each one. That's not usually my style. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so to answer your question, I may get there and take those experiences. I'll put a link to your YouTube channel in the description. Do you have a website for your paintings? I'm also just opening up an Etsy shop. My website really will be my Etsy shop for now, mm-hmm. which is called Zamarthi Paints. And the YouTube channel will be called Zamarthi Paints. I say will be because... They're literally in the process right now. They just got made, but there's nothing in them yet. So the Etsy shop has to become live and the YouTube channel has to get uh, videos on it. <laughs> so it's all brand new. I've been an artist for over 20 years, but I this is it's brand new online presence. Mm-hmm. I have been on Facebook, however, for a number of years. So if people want to look at it on Facebook. Um, it's a... Uh, uh, so, uh, it's not Zamarthi paints yet on there. It's uh, Kim Zamarthi artist. So uh, you can just look at uh, what I've done on there. But everything's going to be moving more to Etsy, uh, YouTube, um, Pinterest, and TikTok. So I'm getting you know 
trying to join the 21st century and really get this online presence. I'm not a huge social media person, but I'm trying because that's really the future. It's, you know, it's harder to, to sell your art these days if you're not on really have a good online presence. Yeah. So, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and chit chat with you or talk to you or ask questions. Are you open sure. to that? And if so, how should they reach out to you? Absolutely. They can uh, message me if they have Facebook Messenger. It's Kim Zamarthi, Z is a zebra, M-A-R-T-H-I-E. Uh, or they can email me. I don't know if you want me to say that now or you want to just do a link later. You can say it and then I'll put your email in the description as well. Okay. Uh, so the email is kimzt123 at gmail.com. So just K-I-M, Z is in zebra, T is in Thompson. One, oh, no. KimZTArt123 at gmail.com. All right. Well, before we finish up, do you have one positive message that you want to leave everybody with? Oh, gosh. You know, watching all your shows, I should have had this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I kind of like to just be spontaneous. I feel like I said oh, what's intuitively coming to me now is just. Um, it's really love yourself. And I know we all say it, a lot of NDE or say it and, and I don't it, it, just really don't judge yourself for anything or others. Just be so soft and gentle with yourself. And if you want to have a relationship with spirit and with consciousness, you can, because you are that. And so whether you've had an NDE or an OBE or any kind of experience, it really doesn't matter. I personally don't really want to have an NDE because most of those people have been hit by a car or gone through serious illnesses or mm. dragged by a bus or a train or something. I want nothing to do with that, mm. and, you know, at all. <laughs> so maybe, you know, they deserve to see Jesus when they get dragged by a train. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't want to. <laughs> so how do we bring the light into our lives without crashing and burning? And just, so I think the most important thing is whatever it takes for you to raise your vibration, no matter what you're going through, you still have that light within you too. It's not all darkness. And uh, we don't all have time to read a gazillion books and go on a spiritual path, but you don't really have to do that either. You can even just, have a little spirit, a little meditation practice. I used to meditate an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Uh, now it's a lot less, or I find time to meditate while walking or while doing something I have to do because it's about quieting the mind and uh, and just trying to quiet the thoughts. But uh, that's easier said than done, I know. But Rama taught us a very powerful technique that helps with that. And with the between the music and the technique, it helps to quiet the mind and allow that. Uh, quiet so you can pull that light into your life and that joy and then when you do that I think you begin to have a a relationship with spirit or guide or God or whatever source you whatever you want to call it you just and then you're more open to follow your intuition that all of this is in every one of us but we all have it nobody's special Uh, I used to think my experience back in the day like the 30, 30 years ago the golden light was so unique. I'm like, wow, there's something I have to discover so unique. And then now with the internet and everything coming out and people have so many stories, it's 
It's not unique. It's actually very common. There's so many and every single one of us is connected. So we all have that potential to connect however it is. And you really don't want to go be hit by a car or have an illness to do it. You know, uh, so I guess, hmm, what would I say really? How do we consciously pull in higher consciousness? How do we consciously allow it? Because my experiences have been so unconscious, other than my meditation and pulling in the light, those are that's now I'm consciously trying to have that experience and pull that light. I keep going like that because Kundalini feels like a raising of energy. We didn't get time to get into the Kundalini and how it feels and what it does, but uh, that it's a very powerful thing. Meditation. When you tap into your Kundalini, which is really like your chi, you had a guest recently talking about that chi energy, same thing. It's got all kinds of different terms, but we all have it. So we can all tap into it and we can all utilize it and and benefit from it. Well, Kim, thank you for that message. And thank you for being with us today and sharing your experiences. You're welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thank Mm -hmm. you for all you do. I appreciate you so much. appreciate you having me. It was great meeting you Mm -hmm. and to all your guests and viewers. Thank you too. And love to everybody. All right. Well, thank you and have a great rest of your day. You as well. Thank you, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.